I said that the United States believes that negotiations should result in two states with permanent Palestinian borders with Israel, Jordan, and Egypt, and permanent Israeli borders with Palestine. The borders of Israel and Palestine should be based on the 1967 lines with mutually agreed swaps so that secure and recognized borders are established for both states. The Palestinian people must have the right to govern themselves and reach their potential in a sovereign and contiguous state. That was President Obama at last month's APAC policy conference. In fact, this September, the UN plans to vote on Palestinian statehood, and Israel has launched a campaign to head this off. Tensions, as always, are high, as a recognized Palestinian state would put pressure on Israel to end the occupation of the West Bank, as well as the blockade of Gaza. So I think most Americans have understood the U.S. to be a pro-Israel nation for some time, but recent events, I think, have a lot of us questioning exactly what our relationship with Israel is. In this episode of the Oxford Comment, Michelle and I are here with Daniel Byman, author of A High Price, The Triumphs and Failures of Israeli Counterterrorism. Daniel Byman is professor in the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, and he also served on the 9-11 Commission staff. Daniel, your articles and editorials are frequently published in Slate on foreign policy, foreign affairs, the Washington Post. People are always coming to you with questions, looking for answers and explanations of what is, of course, a very complicated situation. And in your new book, A High Price, you look specifically at the history of Israeli counterterrorism efforts, which have been pretty aggressive. And I think most people, as a result, see Israel as controlling Palestine. Israel developed intelligence in part through its occupation of the West Bank. And this is, I think, for many people, the most troubling, that by controlling the daily lives of Palestinians, enabled it to glean a tremendous amount of intelligence. For an ordinary Palestinian, if he wanted to um, study in a university, if his father wanted to open a business that required um, imports from Jordan, if his mother needed to go for surgery in a hospital within Israel, all these were opportunities for Israel to ask that person to provide intelligence. And many of these things, of course, happened without Shin Bet or another intelligence agency coming in to get information, but that control of daily life gave Israel tremendous leverage that enabled it to gather intelligence on these groups, even though Israel itself was not popular. Palestinians in the West Bank cooperate with Israeli intelligence by necessity, even though they themselves are quite hostile to the Israeli intelligence and military presence in their villages and cities. What does it mean to be pro-Israel or not pro-Israel right now? So the question of what it means to be pro-Israel, I think is a relatively easy one in that most people agree on supporting Israel. But the deeper question is, what is supporting Israel? And here I think there is legitimate disagreement among Americans. Um, in my view, it certainly doesn't mean necessarily agreeing with every policy that the Israeli government promulgates. Uh, within Israel, of course, there's tremendous criticism of every Israeli government. It's a very healthy democracy and its citizens are quite active, I would say much more active in some ways, in criticizing their own governments than uh, U.S. citizens are. So I think there's a debate, but it's a bounded debate. It's not about should the United States support Israel, yes or no. It's more about how can the United States encourage Israel 
and at times this might involve not just friendly love but tough support, to make peace. And this is difficult, and Israelis have many legitimate objections, but it should be a goal of U.S. foreign policy. And I know definitely a lot of Americans have very you know, strong and passionate views about both Israel and Palestine. What do you think are the top sort of myths that we believe or the misunderstandings that we have? In my view, there are a number of myths about both Israel and Palestine. Uh, let's start with Israel. One myth is this idea that um, Israel is all-powerful, that it never makes mistakes, that Israeli intelligence can regularly repeat really fantastic triumphs like the Entebbe raid. There is another myth, which is that Israel has a deep strategy for fighting terrorism. In my view, Israel has had many strategies, but these are often default strategies. At times, Israeli counterterrorism is driven by domestic politics, not strategic logic. And at other times, Israel's defense forces are pursuing one strategy while its political leaders are trying to pursue another. And the result is that both fail. On the Palestinian side, I also think there are myths. One is that Hamas itself is a fanatical organization that will stop at nothing to destroy Israel. Let's be clear. Hamas is a terrorist group. It's whether in Gaza as a government or whether outside the country in um, its diaspora organizations, it's violently against Israel. At the same time, Hamas is trying to walk on a balance. Hamas is trying to govern the Gaza Strip. It's trying to show that it can be a leader of its people by providing services. And it's trying to maintain its image as a resistance organization. The hope is you could have an enduring ceasefire that would enable Israel to make peace with more moderate Palestinians that over time would enable the dynamic of war and violence to diminish and allow more moderate voices to gain strength. As Lauren just said, you know, Americans are very passionate about Israel. And there's kind of this view that if you don't support Israel, you're anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. I think that it should be acceptable for someone to be critical of Israel policies, but at the same time that in no way necessarily means that person is anti-Semitic. Before this, Lauren and I were talking about the influence of Israel on American politics, and she was reflecting on how during the last primaries, the turning point for her was when um, one of the candidates made a comment about Israel, about being pro-Israel. And I'm wondering, we're already gearing up for the next election. What influence do you think it will have on the primaries and the general election? Support for Israel is exceptionally high among American voters. It's one of the most popular countries in terms of whether the United States should be supporting a country or not in terms of opinion polls. And of course, the support is very strong among the American Jewish community, but it's also very strong outside it. And this is really a success for Israel, I would say, is that um, most Americans see the interests of the United States and the interests of Israel as closely aligned. So there's a lot of, in my view, almost a conspiratorial talk about you know, Israeli influence in some nefarious way. But in fact, it, to me, it's quite the opposite. It's quite open. American voters support Israel. It's not surprising to me that the politicians they elect support Israel. What's interesting, though, is that Obama's support in the last election, and perhaps going forward, um, doesn't seem to be affected among American Jews based on his perceived support for Israel. Uh, he was criticized as not being as supportive of Israel as he should have been when he was first elected. But he won the American Jewish vote by extremely large margins. 
So I think there's a separation here where most American Jews recognize that the Obama administration may be more critical of Israel than other possible administrations, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to support him in large numbers as they did in the past. Uh, I know, of course, you know, there was the erection of the barrier to separate from Israel from the Palestinians. Um, there are also a number of, you know, shadowy defense measures, um, such as, you know, airplanes, sky marshals, Israel's controversial use of targeted killings. Um, what, if anything, is your primary concern or what bothers you the most? My primary concern is the aggressive counterterrorism measures Israel is still using today that risk humiliating Palestinian moderates. These aggressive measures were necessary, I would even say vital, when the Second Intifada was raging. When violence was peaking, there was no hope for the peace process. But as violence has fallen, the new goal should be to bolster Palestinian moderates who themselves can enforce order, who themselves can fight violence, and that this would be a prelude to a more comprehensive peace. But when Israel acts unilaterally and at times unnecessarily unilaterally, it makes these people seem like stooges. It humiliates them. And as a result, they're less willing to cooperate with Israel. And it weakens them politically, which makes peace all that much harder. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. My pleasure. That will wrap it up for this quick cast. Remember to check in with us at blog.oup.com for daily articles, videos, podcasts, and commentary.